Thank you for coming. Today we're continuing a series uh, in uh, called Kingdom Come. And uh, I, I said last week, and I still believe it this week, that this series has the potential to truly change your life. And, and again, I don't mean that in a sensational way or as politicians sometimes say that when they say, vote for me, it'll change your life. <laughs> um, but I do, I mean that from a sense that, that, uh, 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 that I want to, that our take home truth today really corners around. And so, first and foremost, I, I want to, I want to in, in, invite you into what we sort of talked about last week, or what we did talk about last week, and just remind you of some of the things that we hit on. And the first thing is that the kingdom is personal. The kingdom is personal. I love it because Jesus, I mean, you can't get much more personal than sending your son to the people you created. <laughs> and then that son says, call the one that created everything, daddy. That's how intimate and personal God wants us to be with him. In, in our life and with the people around us, it's personal. The kingdom, secondly, is present. We talked about that. It's the, the truth that God is calling us to be a, a people who are in the present climate. And so much of the time we, we deal with future stuff or we deal with past stuff. Um, not laying hold to the to regrets. I love that song that we just sang. I mean, there's that idea. Regrets are in the past, and 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 Christians are called to have kingdom come, live presently, and be in the present, and be helping the hurting, to be connecting with the community. You can't do that in a future sense or a past sense. It has to be right now, serving and growing. Lastly, we looked at the kingdom is powerful. A, a power that causes the world to stop and take notice. A power that, that raised Jesus from the dead. Facing the pain of the cross, we see the power of the resurrection. And in that is that forgiveness. And that's what we talked about. Real power comes in, the, in, in forgiveness. Not, not in correct doctrine, although that's good. Not not in just reading the Bible, that's good, or going to church, that's good. But real power through the Holy Spirit comes in forgiveness. Forgiving of yourself and forgiving of others. Living with the people in the world around you in a pattern of forgiveness. And today, we want to continue in the same vein, the same series concept of kingdom come. And what does that look like? And and, and, and what I did, I did something a little different this time, because we always have a take-home truth, but this time I put, I, I know some of you are going to get upset with me, I put the take-home truth and a, a word that you need to fill in, in the take-home truth. Some of you are getting a little bugged, and I understand, because that is a big change. But the, the take-home truth is simple, and it happens to be one of our first First notes to take. It's simple. The kingdom is practical and relevant to you and me today. One of the things that I struggle with every week is I get 30, 40 minutes, and if I'm really lazy, I'll preach 50 minutes. And uh, it, it, I struggle with the concept of I've only got you for a little bit of time. I want to give you what God says, God's word, in a way that is practical. Because if I'm just sitting here telling you my opinion, if I'm sitting here just telling you how I feel politically or or in my opinion-wise with my own relationships or anything in between, what's the point? And, and many of us have been in situations or even at churches where we're really not getting the practical. And that was completely 
That's completely in the face of what Jesus did because Jesus was so practical. In fact, too practical, I guess you could say, because his, his ministry would get really big and he'd start talking about the practical ideas of living kingdom, kingdom come now, and everyone would leave. They'd be like, that's too practical, I can't do that. <laughs> they would take off. But it has to be practical. It has to be something that hits us on our day-to-day. And that's what Jesus constantly did. Jesus constantly challenged each and every person. And he challenges us still today because what was practical then needs to be practical today. And so he uses this this concept in in, in practical uh, of parables. And that's what we're going to be looking at a lot in this Kingdom Come series because parables help help to make something relevant. See, a parable is a simple word picture to help people understand the kingdom of God. Jesus used images and characters taken from everyday life to create a miniature play or a drama. He, he very much so preached in the same way that many preachers of that day or rabbis or, or wandering uh, rabbis would teach, how they would teach. He did very similar in a Middle Eastern understanding. He was very dramatic. See, I'm in good company sometimes because I can be very dramatic. I use my hands, right? Sometimes I get really excited. Jesus very much would have taught in that Middle Eastern understanding because people were illiterate in that day. The majority, 97 percent, were illiterate. And so to understand what was going on, he would, he would create a word picture. He would talk and speak in parables so that anybody could get it. Young, old, rich, poor, didn't matter. Even, even people to some extent that barely understood the language. It could be translated very easily. It was a good picture. A parable is a good picture that can speak more loudly and clearly than many words. He was speaking to the uneducated, to the poor, the wealthy, the refined, young and old, healthy and sick, spiritually starving and lost. His message had to be practical. God's message has to be practical. It has to be relevant. And if the kingdom is practical, it means we allow it to come every day into our life. Every day and in every way, it has to be practical in yours and mine life. Otherwise, it's useless. What's the point? See, if you come in here just to get a couple of theories or principles and you walk away saying, our side, yay, (laughs) right? If, If I'm giving information, then I need to go home. We need the Holy Spirit to give transformation. We need to be Christians, not say we're Christians. We need to be practical, and we need to live the kingdom life. So, in that vein, what I'd like to do is introduce the first parable that Jesus gives in the idea of, he says, this is what the kingdom is. And so what I'd like to do is, if you could stand with me and join with me in reading of God's word, we're going to read out of Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. In Jesus' first parable, he says this. That same day, Jesus went out to the house, out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Now some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly. Because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. 
Still other seed, or the last seed, fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or even thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Okay, you may be seated. Now, in in tradition here, I, I want to change it up a little bit and give you this idea because we're not living in an agrarian culture. Back then, 95% of people lived and died through agrarian means, through agricultural means. They had to. They had to be farmers. They got this. We don't always get this. Um, I, I love to farm, but there's many times that I go out. I, I say farm. I have some potted plants. Um, <laughs> I have two tomato plants. I'm a farmer. No, that, that just shows how much I'm not a farmer, okay? But, um, but I, I, many times I look at what I do is in my garden. I go, man, I really don't know anything. And this would have been, I mean, they, if I, 2,000 years ago, I would have been an idiot. You know, I would have been like, what does it matter with this guy? He's not going to eat. Um, that, they knew it. They knew how to garden. They knew how to live off the land. And so he's using this analogy. He's using this parable that very much so they would have understood. So what I'd like to do for you today is read this parable to something we would understand. And most of us get YouTube. So here we go. Jesus said, once there was a YouTuber who scattered videos across the internet. One day he was uploaded quite a, he, he uploaded quite a few videos, and some of them were watched for a few minutes, and then the people were distracted by other items in their news feed, and all his hard work was lost amidst the chaos. So the video blogger decided to specifically target his video to one or two specific social media sites, and they were shared very quickly. However, while they received a lot of views early on, within a few weeks they were ignored because there were other flashier LOL cat videos. Josh was looking at those, as he should, uh, out now, so he, they, they lost interest. And so the, the vlogger decided to try some of the more difficult places on the internet. Yes, he would put his videos in places where there was much controversy and see how they would do. Unfortunately, the videos did not do much better in these spots because all the trolls blasted them in the comment section. We love the trolls, don't we? And so finally, the blogger or vlogger decided to specifically target these videos to those he knew would be interested in them. Instead of placing them everywhere, he said to himself, I know, these folks are the ones who are really interested, so I'm going to share with them. Eventually, the videos grew over a period of months and years, and he found that he had 10,000 shares and a million shares, and then so on and so forth. And he realized his videos were going viral all over the world. Those who are really willing to really see what I did there, then they will see it. Think you get it? Okay, so some of you are understanding this parable for the first time. That's good. See, what Jesus is sharing here in this parable, which is practical, is some principles that in the end lead to a practice. And that's what it always has to be. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to share these principles first, and then we're going to look at the practice. It's very simple. And hopefully, like this parable, you will get the kingdom and the, and the kingdom coming. So the first principle that the kingdom we get from this is simple. The first principle of this is simple. The kingdom is available to all. That's what I would say. The kingdom is available to all. See, it says that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. What's interesting about, about that, I'll just give you a little bit of history. He's in the house full of religious elites. And he's literally leaving the house because they don't want anything to do with him. You see, he's, he's getting away from the, the, those who are all about, this is the way I believe God wants, and you don't know anything. And so, and they're, literally, he's getting away from these people. He's leaving this aspect, and he's going to who? To the normal, average, ordinary crowd. He goes to the people that they would never go to. 
because they're not good enough to receive God in their mind. So he leaves this house and he goes out and he, and he does something that nobody has ever done before. He gets on a boat and he preaches from a boat. And he breaks a lot of conventional norms that rabbis would not do. Why? Because the kingdom is available to all. It has to be. See, in that day, the religions were based on if you are accepted or not. You, you could not just worship. You had to do to get. You had to be to receive. You had to have so many check on your boxes of of religiosity before you can get anything from God. And Jesus goes out of his way to get on a boat and share that the kingdom is come now to all people, everywhere, everyone. This is a principle that should blow us away because every religion in the world, every major religion in the world does not say this. There's not this truth. He walks among the people, the dirty, the poor, the low, the sinful, and he touches them. He teaches them. He heals them. God amongst us, Emmanuel. And he scatters the truth to all. He uploads it for all to see. It's like God makes himself available to everyone. He sends it to the sweet and the polite as well as the mean and the trolls. We can't miss this principle because if we do, we become selective. And let me explain this through, I think, a great movie that came out recently called Unbroken. It was a true story by, uh, about Louis Zamperini. And, and many of you read the book about Louis Zamperini. Um, I'm probably saying his name wrong. <laughs> but uh, a great story about this guy that was almost an Olympic uh, Olympian for um, running. And he goes off in World War II in, a, um, in one of a really poorly designed and maintained um, bomber over the uh, Pacific. And he, his, his crew crashes and they end up going into the ocean and trying to survive in the ocean for 40, 50, I mean, ridiculous amount of days, um, drinking the blood of sharks just to get liquid. I mean, it was crazy what they did and how they survived. And then only to be picked up by a Japanese cruiser who sent them back to Japan to be in a a military camp for like years. And and Louis Zamperini, because he was kind of well known as a a runner who had competed in, in the Olympian aspects, was very mistreated by some of the higher ups in these camps. In fact, he was beaten mercilessly. He was, he was picked on. He was, I mean, if there was something that these people could do to Louis, they did it and then some. And, and so many people, so many people looked at this like, how could this guy survive? That's why one of the movies, Unbroken. But what's crazy was he came back broken. He really did. Because what you don't see in the movie is when he comes back, he's a raging alcoholic. A raging alcoholic. He gets married, but it's, it's, his, his marriage is on the ropes and he struggles. He couldn't even sleep at night because every time he'd go to bed, he'd wake up in fever dreams and completely just unnerved by, by, by the horrors that were inflicted on him. And he was angry. He was upset. He was angry. I mean, he was volatile. So he would get in fights and just pass out drunk every night just so he could sleep. And it was destroying himself and his family and the world around him. Because he was broken. But what's amazing is his wife goes to this crazy 
crusade with Billy Graham, this guy that was traveling around, and meets Jesus and comes back and tells Louis about it. And Louis is just, ah, whatever, no, no. Finally, she drags him to one of these things. And Louis ends up seeing that for a broken, run-down, drunk, Jesus is available to him. That Jesus goes out of his way to reach even Louis. And it's amazing. It's a great story. I recommend the book. It's even better than the movie. <laughs> but the truth is, like, he doesn't just stop there. Because we could say, oh, right on, Louis, he got help. He, he, he was mended. And, 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 and forgiveness and the power of the Holy Spirit worked in his life. And he became a new man. But no, he doesn't stop there. Because, see, the, the principle always has to have a practice, you see. And if God is available to all people, then what are we? What was Louis? Because what happens is Louis realizes, you know what, I've got all this junk in me, but I've given it to Jesus. And if he's available to all people, like he's available even to me, then I wonder if he's available to the prison guards that treated me so horribly. And he ends up going back to Japan and ministering for years and years and years, just saying, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. He even went out of his way to try to get the man who really picked on him, and not to get justice on him, not to, not to tell him how much he hated him, but to go back and tell him, I forgive you, and God forgives you, and Jesus is available to you, and will you accept him, will you know him? I want to show you the life that you can have. You see, the principle always has a practice. And you're not selective, even to the people that mercilessly beat you and break you when you really know that God and His kingdom is available to all. I want to encourage you. Second principle. The kingdom takes root in our hearts. If it's available to all, it it takes root Right there in our hearts. See, God is, God is concerned with our heart. There's this great story in the Old Testament. I love it. Um, it, it just, it's great. What happens is, Israel has their first king. And their first king is one of those guys that you would think, oh man, here's a king. He, it says he was head and shoulders taller than everybody else in the land. So here he's just a naturally tall, you know, I mean, if I were to have anybody have Daniel stand up, he's just a tall guy, you know, or, you know, it's just the tall people. Yeah, so he, what a king, right? He looks like a king. Daniel's going to walk out of here if he can fit his head through the door. Sorry about that, brother. Um, <laughs> I'm building you up here. Uh, uh, but King Saul, I mean, he was strong. He was good looking. He came from a good family. He, he, had a, he had it all together. He had a good reputation. I mean, everything was good on, on, on the outside. But the truth is, uh, King Saul was, was a real turd. I mean, he just was. He, he, he did nothing but wrong stuff over time and eventually, I mean, just really blew it. And so the, the prophet of that day, Samuel, uh, God comes to him and says, Hey, go out to, to, the, to the, per, the, the, the tribe of Jesse. I want you to go to their house and I want you to go pick a king. Pick the new king that I've chosen. And he goes in, and Jesse gets all of his sons. You know, he's got like, I think, 14 sons. I mean, it's ridiculous, right? And, and he's got all these sons and he lines them up. From the oldest to the youngest. And Samuel, of course, starts with the oldest and looks at him and says, Oh, surely this is the king. I mean, look at this guy. He's, he's, he's just kingly, right? And God's like, no. No, not him. And he goes on down the line and eventually he gets to the last one and God's like, that, that, that's not who, I, who I've chosen to be king of my people. And Samuel's like, what's going on? And so he, he, he goes to Jesse and says, Hey, is there, do you have any other sons? Because I'm a little confused here. God's saying no to all of these. And Jesse's getting angry. He's like, no, but well, I, 
I got the runt out in the fields right now. You really want to go talk to him? I'll bring him in, but he's dealing with the sheep, which at that time meant you were the worst. Because if you dealt with the sheep, you were like a criminal. I mean, the sheep was the, to deal with the sheep and be a shepherd was considered bad. I mean, that was, you were either the youngest or the most unloved. And so that's why you dealt with the sheep because the sheep were stinky. And so he's out there dealing with the sheep and he brings them in and he stands before Samuel. I'm sure Samuel's way taller than him. And he's looking at this guy and God says, that's it. He says, and God says something to Samuel that I think is really great. He says, you know, man looks at the outward appearance. Man looks at the outside. Man is focused. We're so focused on the outside. And I'm, I hate to say it, but that's what Christians do all the time. Look at those people and what they do. Oh, that's a diabolic aspect. Look, what, look how bad they are on the outside. Look how they dress. Look how they do this. Look how they do that. You know what? God is concerned with the inside, with the heart. That's where we need to be, is in the heart. And that's what this parable really shows us. The principle, it's not just he's available to all, but he's also available to all hearts. And that's where he wants to work, is in the heart. And so we, we see this as Jesus shows us the idea of the four hearts represented here. The four soils. And so what I'd like to do is just quickly go over these soils. And, and I just instead of soils, I've just labeled, labeled them a heart. So, the, so we're going to look at four of them here as Jesus lays them out. And the first one is the hard heart. This is the hard heart. You see, when farmers of that day would, would throw the, the seed, they didn't do it like we did it. See, we, we have a very mechanized system and we create big rows and it's individually planted in there. No, what they would do is they'd go out and they would just throw seed everywhere. They would just throw seed everywhere. And then they would till the whole ground later. And if it took root, it took root. If it didn't, it didn't. They had a ton of seed and they could just do that. And they would wait till the rainy seasons and that's when it would happen. So some of the seed, it would just fall on really hard ground where everybody would walk. Like if you've ever gone hiking, there's those trails and it's really hard ground and nothing really grows on it because it's constantly trod upon. It, it's, it's kind of where everybody is going. And that's the sad part. Because the hardest hearts is kind of the majority. And that's why our world is so screwed up, people. Can I just say that? We have a screwed up world because we got a lot of hard hearts. And we shouldn't be focused on the screwed upness. We should be focused on the hearts of people. That's what we got to look at. And God can soften hearts. But, but the seed lands here and it says the birds just pick it away because it's not going in. It's not doing anything. And, and the sad truth is that not everybody wants Jesus. Not everybody wants the love of Christ. And it gets tougher and drier and harder. Second aspect of this is the shallow heart. The shallow hearted are, are represented by the rocky soil with small amount of covering of dirt. And a good example of this was I lived in Wrightwood for about 10 years. I loved Wrightwood. It's a great area. But it's also known as a rock garden. Anybody ever tried to plant in a rock garden? Everybody. I said I was planting a garden. They're like, <laughs> good luck. Good luck. I wouldn't even talk to people. And they go, are you that fool that's going to be starting a garden? Like, I don't even know you. Yeah, good luck. I'd be like, what is this? How does everybody know? But so I'm, I'm back there and I, I started because I, you know, I had tried in, in Pomona. I had done a great job with my wife. We, we, we really had a little garden in this tiny little area. And now I had a bigger area. And I'm like, I'm going to do this. Oh my gosh. So many rocks. Because you don't see it. I mean, it's dirt. And you could plant a seed there, but it never will take real full root because it's hitting stuff. It's hitting rocks. It's hitting the rocks. And, and before I could really have a good garden, because I did, I showed them, I showed them, 
But you know what I had to do? I had to lift everything up off the ground about two feet, and I dug two feet down. It took about 40 hours of work. I'm not even kidding. 40 hours of preparation just to clear out these plots because there were so many rocks. See, the shallow-hearted is a representation of this. They may be receptive to the love of Jesus and they see the need for forgiveness. I mean, it starts in that rocky soil. You see, the, you see it, it, just, it hits, but, but the reality is they're called to forgive and then they're like, no, I can't do that. I mean, I can't forgive that guy. I can't forgive that woman. I can't forgive them. I mean, do you know what they did? And, or, 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 wait, wait, you mean Jesus wants everything? You mean I got to be all in? They face people at school or home that are making fun of them. They realize that it's not easy. And they hit the rocks. Third is the, is the half-hearted. The half-hearted are represented by the weed-choked soil where the seed quickly germinates, but as it grows, the thick weeds choke out the good seed. And you guys have probably seen this if you ever had a garden. I mean, if you're not on it, those weeds will just, you know, and they just choke it out. Um, I had some spinach on the side of my house. It was awesome because it was, it, 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 I didn't even know this area would grow stuff because I came from the desert. And again, I mean, nothing grows out there. That's why it's the desert, I think. But um, basically, I had spinach and it was growing and it was doing great. But, but it just had so many weeds that it just started to die. And I really couldn't get all the stuff I needed to get out of it because of the weeds and the amount of stuff that was in there. And if I pulled those out, it would pull everything else out. And it was just, because I didn't prepare it enough. It just wasn't right. And it eventually died. And that's the half-hearted. They seem to start well and really grow right before the fruit really comes in. They get all these weeds around them and they saps them of their strength. And, and there are a lot of weeds, aren't there? I mean, really think about it. Divorce, finances. I mean, you name it. It can sap the strength from the plants. It could be the weed of, of, of great wealth. It could be the weed of, of poverty. It could be the weed of many, many things. But it keeps us from really being all in and full-hearted. There are many weeds that can distract us, ultimately leading to the death of the whole plant with no real fruit. So that last that last heart is a real simple one. It's the wholehearted, or the whole heart. The wholehearted soil is the only soil that Jesus describes as yielding fruit. And this is important to understand. And, and let me just say this very simply. Only one heart produces fruit in this parable. Only one heart. Only one soil actually does it. The other soils don't. The other soils are strangled out. The other soils, they don't produce what is wanted, what is needed. And as a gardener, you want to get what you're planting. And if you don't, you rip it out and you throw it away. And you put something in that will produce. See, this is the representation of the good soil. And a good way to understand this is a relationship or the analogy of a relationship. When I was a junior higher, I asked Jesus into my heart. But I struggled giving him my heart. The battle over my heart lasted into my 20s where I eventually gave him everything as I was at the end of my rope. But the truth is I struggled every day, every year. And the rocks and the weeds and everything else choked and killed. I mean, people would have come up to me and say, are you a Christian? Absolutely. But was I living as a Christian? No. 
I wasn't. I didn't have the whole heart. See, these are the principles that we really need to understand, but they're only as good as how much we put them into practice. See, a good example of this is God said in principle, I love the world. Great principle. I love that principle. God loves the world. What was the practice? That he gave his one and only son. That's the practice. You see, the same thing goes with us. God says, you love me, then love others. Greatest commandments. It's easy to say I love God. It's harder to say I love that person that hates me. (laughs) See, the practice always needs to be a part of the principle. This is why Jesus uses this as a parable. And what I would like to say is the practice is simple, and I'm just going to give you this one thing, and it's, it's all you need. Practically, God plants us to produce kingdom fruit. That's the principle. God plants every single one of us to produce fruit. See, it says still in verse 8, other seed fell on good soil, the whole heart, the one that's all in, and it produced a crop, a hundred, a sixty, thirty times what was sown. He makes a solid point that we all need to see. Plants must produce. Plants must produce. Only one heart produces fruit. And this is the one that sees kingdom come into the world around it. I have a citrus trees in my backyard for the first time in my life and I'm really excited because I've never been able to have like fruit trees and that's awesome. And a couple of them I planted last year and, and two out of three already have like really good like fruit on it and I'm like, yes! And the other one is like really green and I keep going to it and it's like getting really big and green and I keep looking at it and not a single thing is on it besides green leaves, which would be fine if I planted it as a shade tree, Right? It'd be fine if it was like, okay, I'm going to put this over here where it's going to grow and it has this purpose. But the purpose is to give me oranges so I can juice them. Right? That's what I want. There's nothing. And a part of me is going, how much longer do I wait for this tree to produce fruit? Because it's supposed to and it's not. It's useless. If it never produces fruit, then it isn't an orange tree. See, God has planted you in your neighborhood for a purpose. Kingdom come is practical. See, those neighbors that you're next to that you can't stand, have you ever thought that they're there for your sake? (laughs) Or you're there for their sake? You're planted for a purpose. The family that you were put in the situations you're dealing with right now, you're planted there to produce fruit. You're there for a purpose. The job, the people, the commute, your daily donut shop, coffee shop, all these places, this is where God has planted you for a reason. To produce kingdom fruit. See, the the kingdom must be practical and produce fruit where you're at. The world needs to see God's kingdom come. Your family needs to see a wife who produces kingdom fruit. Your family needs to see a a father, a husband, a daughter, a son that produces kingdom fruit. Will you see the, the kingdom come in your family in the midst of the busyness or the business or the brokenness, in the midst of the finances, the failings and the furnishings? Do neighbors see the fruit of love and hospitality overflowing the confines of your four walls? Practically, is there fruit of God's kingdom? Slowing a marked difference between you and the rest, or showing a marked difference between you and the rest of the world around you. 
See, I believe many people are leaving the church because there's not really a practical difference between me and the Buddhists next door. Does that make sense? You see, God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Principles into practice. Fruit. Where is the fruit in your neighborhood? Where is the fruit in your family? I don't want to to be so, like, please don't take this as something where I'm trying to come and say, oh, heap judgment. That's not what I'm trying to do. Please, I'm not trying to condemn anyone. But you know what the truth is? We come to a point where even Jesus said, hey, this is the facts, this is the truth. And people left and he turned to his disciples and said, hey, are you going to leave me too? See, the, the, the simple truth is that if we believe the principles of the gospel, if we believe the principles of the kingdom, then the practice has to come and the fruit must be there. And if you're looking at your life, if you're doing a heart check right now and you're not seeing much fruit, then, then, then you really need to stop assuming you might be good soil. Because many people, just like the zombie apocalypse, nobody assumes they're going to be one of the zombies. Right? If you think about the zombie apocalypse, everybody assumes, oh yeah, I'm going to run for my life, I'm going to do this. Statistics prove you're going to be a zombie. You're very, very lucky if you're not. That's the truth. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm using statistics from a fake thing, so it's kind of weird, right? But everybody gets the analogy I'm using here, right? Okay, maybe I'm a little out there. But the truth is, everybody assumes they're going to be a a survivor. But the simple fact is, if we're looking at it, you're going to be a zombie. And the same truth goes with the soils here. Jesus, as he's speaking, don't assume you're good soil. We do that automatically because good soil produces fruit above and beyond and overflows bushels and bushels and bushels. And let me just say, fruit takes time, I get it. But you really need to look at your job. You really need to look at your marriage. You really need to look at your friends. You really need to look at your life and you need to have a heart check just like me and say, am I producing fruit? Because that is the clear-cut way to see that the kingdom has come. I'll leave you with the words of Jesus as he addresses this issue with the church where many people assume they were good soil, but there wasn't any fruit. It's Revelations 3.15-22 through 22, as he talks to the church of Laodicea and he says this, I know all the things you do. You are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are lukewarm water, neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. The, the, the actual Greek is I'm going to vomit you up. It's not a very pleasant scene. But this is what... And by the way, he's not speaking to non-Christians. He's speaking to Christians. So if you're a non-Christian and you don't know Jesus in your heart, please just listen to this and it's great, but, but this is for Christians. This is for the church. This is the tough stuff. I will spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire, then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me so you will not be ashamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love. Why? As a good gardener, he's pruning. He says, I need fruit. (laughs) That's what the kingdom is about. Your, Your neighborhood needs fruit. The people outside these walls, they need fruit. Your family, they need to see fruit. They need to see a difference. We need to see Christians that love. We need to see Christians that stop judging and start loving. We need to see Christians who are picking up the poor, the naked, the powerless, the helpless, and helping. The saddest thing to me 
is that if one out of three churches, just one out of three, by the way, we have millions in the U.S., Christian churches, one out of three were just to adopt one kid, we would empty the foster care system in the United States completely in one day. If this church out of the other three around us were to adopt one kid, take him into our home, we would be done with orphans. Do you see why this is important? Do you see why we need to see fruit in each and every single one of our lives that says, I have the kingdom, I'm a soil, I'm wholehearted? Then let's see it. That's what Jesus is saying. I want to see it. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. And the most misquoted scripture in all the Bible Many people use this for non-Christians. Jesus is talking to Christians here. He says, look, I stand at the door and knock. I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice, open the door. I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on the throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on this throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches, to Christians to people who know Jesus, who assume they're the good soil. Again, I don't want to condemn. I'm not here to judge. But we are here to look at our hearts and, and, and take, that, take that test of the soil and say, are we producing fruit? My hope is yes. And I've seen it in you. And I pray for bushels and bushels of fruit. Now, as the, as the worship team comes up here, and we're gonna we're gonna finish off with worship and everything. I really there's additional spot there for, in, in the notes, just for notes. Please understand, I'm not asking for every single one of you to go out and adopt a kid today. <laughs> Please, sometimes I get misunderstood in that. I just get a little passionate in certain areas and I talk about it. But but the truth is, there is something that God wants to produce in you that's kingdom living, that's kingdom fruit. And I'll tell you, growing hurts. Growing hurts. It's not easy. Fruit gets ripped off of you to be consumed by somebody else. It's not for you. It's for others. Please, hear the words of the Spirit. Jesus stands at the door and He knocks on your heart. Invite him in. Produce fruit. Check that heart of yours. Look at the life around you. Look at the life you're in. Maybe you're married, and you need to really analyze that marriage. Are you seeing the fruit of Jesus in it? Are you seeing the fruit of Jesus in your job? Are you seeing the fruit of Jesus with the people around you? Are you even concerned? My prayer is you are. I know I have to I have to be. And sometimes I feel it more is more of my job than it is my heart. And I need to confess of that. So I just want to take this time right now to go before the Lord and pray. So if you could do me a favor, let's just close our eyes and let's bow our heads to the ultimate heart checker. <laughs> the one who is available to all. And practically lived the principle so that you might be free. Lord, we just thank you. We ask that right now, that if there's issues in in our lives, and just wherever we're at, there's always something, right? I mean, but the truth is, 
Many of us struggle with this idea of bearing fruit, of having peace in situations that do not give peace, and having patience in our families, or having love for the unlovable. Lord, we want to see kingdom fruit. We want to see the fruit of the Spirit, joy, faithfulness, kindness, self-control. There's one. That's a tough fruit, Lord. All of these fruits are so difficult because they're not from us, they're from you. And Lord, you've said, if we lack the power, abide in me. Be connected to me, the vine that supplies all of your needs in Christ Jesus. So Lord, my prayer is that my, my brothers and sisters right now, those that those that know you would truly look to you and say, I need help with those around me. I need your power. And Lord, I, I just lift up those that, that, that maybe are still seeking and don't know you, that I haven't heard from you yet and have never truly said, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I pray that they would seek you now and say to the one who's available and loves them more than they will ever know, and wants to supply them with what they have lacked and have looked for till now. You would say to them, Come, I know you're weary. My burden is light. Lord, bring them the peace through your Son Jesus as they come to the table. Help us to be the church that you're calling us to be connects with this community, grows in faith together, and serves you. We want to give so much fruit out. It's ridiculous. Help us to be that church. Help us to be those people.